Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversies in the tennis world. Today is Monday, March 25th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And this has been a hell of a weekend at the Miami Open. We are approaching the round of 16, and you know, both on the court and off court, the court, there has been some juice uh, at this tournament. And so I had to bring on the only guy who has watched every single match that has happened this weekend, and that is former Blue Devil and Dr. Phil's personal hitting partner, Kale Hammond. What's going on, man? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. That's my favorite uh, introduction that you've ever given me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed that one. I figured, I figured you'd like it. Of course, of course. What a weekend, though, with this Miami Open. So I do social media for Tennis Channel, and um, I've been glued to the to the uh, clipping software, you know, clipping up all the ridiculous, curious stuff and the Kerber under escute. I mean, it's just been endless work for me. I mean, these players are making it tough for me. They need to just calm down <laughs> and play tennis again. I'm just like, well, I can clip the set points and the match points. This is just every, you know, you got to be paying attention because crazy is happening. Absolutely, and... And look, the the tennis Twitter has been off the charts too. I mean, people have been talking, you know, about all the different controversies. So why why don't we get right into it and start with that Andreescu Kerber match that you brought up? This was a match that Andreescu won six four four six six one in a tight three setter, and you know that she just beat Kerber last week in Indian Wells. Uh, and obviously, there's there's this little exchange they had at the net. Uh, I, I I'm not gonna go too far into it. I mean. All we know is that Andreescu goes up and said, "You're the biggest drama queen ever," uh, and you know, not Kerber, the, the nicest way. Kerber said that to her. I mean, first off, we'll sorry, get to yeah, that. yeah, Kerber says this we'll, to Andreescu. We'll get, we'll get to that. You want to talk to tennis first? I, yeah, I we can talk do that. About how good Bianca Andreescu is at tennis. She's amazing. First of all, in the the UTR rankings, which are you know they're refreshed all the time based on the current results, she's number two right now. Like this is a legit. Like software, I've tracked it and it does well. It it tracks better than the wow. ATP rankings do, and her current ranking is number two. And I totally get it. She's unbelievable. She has every shot in the book, the, the, and she also has the which is important for her. People haven't really played her before, so she they're getting this girl, this eighteen year old who's just on fire, looking like she's gonna compete for Grand Slams this year in twenty nineteen, and they never played her before. So that's tough as a tennis player if you've never played someone. But Kerber. Kerber played her before, and she beat Kerber twice. Kerber's a champion. Kerber's a three-time Grand Slam champion. One of the best, you know, one of the best three women players currently living. And, I mean, active women players. And and Bianca beat her twice. Yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. The the way she changes pace, the way she's able to confidently hit drop shots— I, it truly is special to see from someone that young, and and maybe she's taken over the best you know young player over Osaka. I I mean obviously Osaka is is number one in the world right now. You can't take away the the two Grand Slams, but uh, I don't know. It, Bianca could be the the next rising star. What do you think? Yeah, I mean she's she's every bit of the real deal. Um, she's she's as good as she, just in terms of being a pure athlete. I was at Indian Wells with her and I saw her doing different drills and cross sport stuff. And she was playing basketball and she looked like she was Steve Nash out there, you know, handling the rock <laughs> and making these incredibly acrobatic catches, just doing these warm up drills. And just her athleticism is just so shocking that you see her. And she's she's a very strong girl too. She's very very strong. And look, and she's she's a better athlete than all the girl, uh, all the all the women that she's competing against right now. She's a better athlete. Well, look, you gave her the the Steve Nash comparison, so that that's high praise over here. Um, but look, obviously, we're we're big fans, and 
I mean, her tennis speaks for itself. The the you know ten consecutive wins she now has uh, is just really impressive. But I think we do got to bring up this little yeah, let's get to it. thing at the end of the match. So yeah, as you said, Kerber comes up and calls her the biggest drama queen ever. Not very. Classy. I mean, first of all, no, not classy, and just. When you're on this stage, you know that is going to be picked up by everybody. Like, just keep it to yourself. You, you had three seconds to just be like, don't do it. And, of course, she let she it out. She sort of muttered it under her breath, though, so maybe, you know, maybe she thought she would be get away with it. Because it's not like uh, that. They really had to juice up that audio um, to, to get yeah. a clip of it. But, yeah, I mean, it's sort of sad. I think it's sad because... Bianca obviously looks up to Kerber. How can you not? She's such a great champion. And I was talking to Bianca a little bit about this. I asked her what happened, and she just said, dude, I don't know. She just went up to me after the match and said, and said, you're the biggest drama queen ever. And it's just like, why? Like, what was the point of that? Like, you know, there's no... And I'm sure it's sort of, you know, it's salty for her because she, she, she was respectful. She was a completely respectful competitor both times. She didn't do anything that was disrespectful to Kerber. She just played her game and beat the crap out of her twice. <laughs> yeah. That's all it was. And so I just said to her, look, I don't think that Kerber, I don't think, I think she just thought, all right, how the hell am I going to beat this girl? Maybe I've got to get into her head now. Maybe that's her play. Maybe she's like, oh, I just lost twice to this, to Bianca. She's killing me. Maybe now this is my play. And next time she plays, she's not going to be able to focus on the tennis because she knows she's going to play her again. Oh, no doubt. I mean, and if that is her play, that's so lame. I don't think it's going to work because <laughs> um, that's that's some pretty lame trash talk. But, I mean, yeah, like, at the end of the I day. I think the just... Germans are known for their trash talk. <laughs> Clearly, this is, you know, classic <laughs> example A. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just it's ridiculous all in all. And um, I didn't see anything that deserved that response. So, hey, look, the – the score speaks for yeah, itself. Yeah, the score she, speaks for itself. Got the last laugh. Um, she got the last laugh, and I think I do think one takeaway from talking to her is that she was sort of disappointed in Kerber that she did that because it was undeserved. Uh, she should it, be. It was just undeserved. I think the the only other thing we have to mention about this is you know Kerber then goes to Twitter and says you know congratulations on a well you know hard fought match blah 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 and then Kyrios hops in and. And just hits her with the, bruh, what are you talking about? You just chirped her on court. It's so perfect. I love that he just, like, inserted himself into this little controversy that he had nothing to do with. No it's one is safe great. with Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> no. no one is safe. No one is off limits. And that's why he is sort of becoming in this sort of just this role. And then he's embracing it. And it's great. His social media, he's just a funny, nice guy. Yeah, his effort on the court is what it is. And sometimes it's sickening to watch but he really is you get the sense that he really is a good dude he is i i think so too i mean we'll we'll get to to curious and his antics a little bit later in this pod uh but, but let's talk a little bit about some of the other women's matches uh you know huge upset uh in the the women's side naomi osaka loses to say sway i definitely just botched her name Shay Suway. Shay Suway. It's uh, it's not an easy one to say. Be better. Uh, off, hit me, hit me with a little dunch there. Um, but yeah, th- this is you know uh, a big upset and you know great match. First, Suey. Do I call her Suey? Yeah, I'm calling her Suey. Uh, to to win this one four six seven six six three. 
this is a match, in my opinion, that Osaka should never lose. Uh, Osaka is, is the kind of player that you know dominates from the ground, hits big balls, and Sue's second serve, first of all, is just you know her serve in general is not strong, um, and her ground strokes really. I mean, if you watch her play, it's a weird game. Kind of absorbs pace. Uh, she's she's uh, good though. She's she's good. No one. No yeah, one, I can't take. No one wants to play. Can't take her. the credit away from her. She's ranked. You know, she's the twenty seventh. But I agree. Right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Osaka should never lose to her with her power. In that second yeah. serve, it's just you, too many times you start the point off with a clean winner. I mean, look, Sue is winning fifty eight percent of her second serves. I mean that that number should be way lower. Osaka should be stepping in on all of them, taking advantage from the start of those points. Yeah, uh, and clearly she wasn't doing that in this match. She, Osaka started to heat up in this match, and she got up six four five four. She actually served for it. Um, and she had a, a, a set and a half where she looked pretty good. But Osaka re- really didn't bring her A game the whole tournament. She was struggling um, in her previous match. She struggled in this match. And when she lost her serve on 5-4, uh, Shea Suwei got in the zone and just outplayed her at the end. And, you know, Osaka's definitely adjusting to that whole um, coaching shift drama. It's, look, it's clearly affected her play because the last thing she did before that was win two slams. And now she's losing in the early rounds of these tournaments. Um, she's lost in the early rounds in, like, I think, three of the last four tournaments that she's played. Yeah, I mean, it clearly is affecting her and uh, kind of sucks. I, I When she first said that she was leaving her coach, I think a lot of us were confused. And, um, you know, whatever the reasons were, I guess, were necessary, but clearly does not seem to be working. Uh, but let's let's move on to one other match on on the women's side that uh, was just super interesting as a result. Venus Williams takes out Kastkina three and one in just a dominant performance. Um, you know, Kastkina, young player, she's only twenty one. Clearly, was just not ready for the vet here. Uh, what what did you see in this match? Uh, the whole sunshine double swing. Venus has been playing inspiring tennis. Good inspiring controlled um tactical tennis uh she's really set a good example for everyone you know how you can stay on the court that long and be effective just with her mind her mental strength is her biggest is her biggest weapon um even more so than her unbelievable backhand but if you're Kasakina, like what you're supposed to be one of the next best up-and-coming players you're 21 years old you're fresh and you get you get routine three and one by a 38 year old uh, it's just it's it's as good as a result it is for venus it's bad for casakina it's not a good look to get beaten that that, that badly uh, venus is playing well but casakina should should she should you know she should lose three and one to a 38 year old that's how I, that's what i think yeah i, I hear it and she's kind of struggled uh the last few tournaments you know indian wells loses first round to vondrasova uh, two and one which is just ugly and then you know before that plays Dubai uh you know barely scrapes out a first round win and then loses to Sophia Kennan in the second round in three sets so you know hasn't been the strongest you know last few tournaments for her but uh maybe we'll see her pick it back up uh in the coming weeks you know lots of other good women's matches but I want to you know try and stick to our 30 minute timeline and move on to the men's matches and there were just too many to to talk about uh, but I think the one that we have to start with is, of course, the Zverev upset uh, by David Ferrer. Takes him down 2-6, 7-5, 6-3. 
And, I mean, kudos to Ferrer. 37 years old, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, he's 37. 37 years old, man. And he was grinding out there. Yeah, I have a lot I could say about this match, but uh, I'll, I'll let you start us off here. Why did Ferrer win this match? Ferrer won this match because he's just a warrior. He's just the ultimate competitor. He loves competing. He lives and breathes it. He, the intensity level that he brought, Ferrer uh, was not willing to match. You know, that's what you have to do on a tennis court. You have to you have to match the, your opponent's intensity level. Um, in one way or another, if you're just if you're letting your opponent be more intense than you on a point after point basis, you're gonna lose, and that's what happened. And Ferrer just totally beasted him. The crowd there too is a very Hispanic um, crowd, so he fed off that. I'm sure he loves loves Miami. Um, you know the, the the Hispanics fan support there is pretty pretty rowdy. We saw we'll talk about the Opelka Schwartzman match later. The Argentines are out in full force, so oh, I think yeah. he fed off the crowd and. And Zverev, just another disappointing result for him. He just, he shouldn't lose to the 37-year-old David Ferrer. He, he can hit winners on every shot whenever he wants, and it's just something about his game right now. He's just in, not in good tune with his game. Like, when he comes out and plays Djokovic in the finals of the World Tour Finals, he's just ripping winners on everything. He's hitting such a big ball off both sides that there's really nothing you can do as an opponent. And that's what he needs to be trying to do every time. I don't know. Really, I don't know what, what's what's going on with him. But look, he's so young. He'll figure it out. He's going to be around for a I, long time. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, he, the set that he won, he won that first set 6-2 in a pretty dominant fashion. And, I mean, you, he was doing exactly what you said, right? He is the bigger player. He's got ridiculous ground strokes he was pushing Ferrer around the court you know taking his shots down the line and then it just looked like he you know resulted to Ferrer's game which was grinding I mean he was returning serves you know six feet behind the baseline against Ferrer who does not have a big serve you can't give Ferrer clean looks on the forehand if you're gonna hit it to his forehand you gotta have a purpose if you hit a purposeless shot to David Ferrer's forehand you're you are off to the races yeah and and he was doing that a lot. He was standing, you know, four or five feet behind the baseline. Yep. Look, he he had twelve double faults in this match. He was only serving fifty five percent. He only won forty percent of his second serves. I mean, not being able to defend your second serve like that is, you know, not going to win you matches against a former world number three. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I I think got to give credit to Ferrer who grinded his ass off out there. Uh, but at the same time, I just kind of poor yeah, from from his. I, I agree, and looking forward to a great. Um fourth round matchup versus Francis Tiafoe that's going to be a really fun match Ferrer's going to be a little tired and Tiafoe I think Tiafoe's going to get him and it's I think it's going to be spectacular yeah and and look Tiafoe barely pushed through his match with Kazmenovic you know was cramping yeah, the Florida in that humidity. second set breaker the Florida humidity is no joke every time I used to play the tournaments in Florida I just couldn't believe feels like you're breathing in water you know, you can't catch your breath because, like, it's like, what the hell? This air is so thick. It's like I'm drinking the air. It, oh, I've, I've played some tournaments in Florida, too, and in North Carolina as well. I mean, it is brutal. Sweltering. It's like you're getting out of a pool afterwards. It's ridiculous. I changed grips, like, a hundred times during during those matches. It's yeah, you got to go turn a grip in Florida. Otherwise, you are just out of, oh, you're of, out of luck. Yeah, man, I mean. Hey, look, Turner Grip, if you want to sponsor us, we're clearly huge fans over here, and, and I still use your grips today, so uh, give us a shout. But let's move on to the next match that I want to talk about. Uh, and, and, you know, this we're going to talk about this player for, for two matches. Uh, we got to talk about 
Hubert Hurkacz taking out Dominic Team four and four, and this was the second round match. Uh, but just had to bring this up because this is you know Hurkacz taking out Team after his Indian Wells uh, dub, just spectacular tennis. I I don't know what to think about this match. Like first of all, I mean Hurkacz played amazing, but Team man, I mean. Yeah, the in and out finally got to him. I kept picking against him at Indian Wells, thinking it was the the grease was finally going to catch up to him. But uh, you know, he won Indian Wells, an unbelievable performance, and he came to Miami, and it's just just a natural letdown. And that's why what Andreescu did against Kerber is so f- freaking impressive. You know, because team had a, had a letdown as you would expect. Different travel across the country, quick turnaround. It's really tough, and you play a guy like Hubert Hurkacz who just hits a huge ball off both sides. If you're not on your A game, he's going to take the racket out of your hand, and it's going to be tough to get a rhythm. And Dominic Team, when he, you saw when he gets that rhythm, he's fantastic. But Dominic Team without a rhythm is that's when he's at his most susceptible. So that was a big win for the uh, for that tall, tall, lanky Polish guy, Hubert Hurkacz. Jim Currier oh, yeah. was really high on him on the commentary. I was listening to Jim. Jim Currier thinks her couch is a you know future top twenty guy. Well, I mean, I, you know, considering the the matches he's been playing recently and the success he's had, I, I don't see why not. He's you know six five. He's twenty two. Uh, last in tournament at Indian Wells, yeah. he beats Puini, Shikori, Shapo. He, he reminds uh, me of what Yannick Hoffman sort of should have been like the USC yeah. player. That's a great call. Similar game. Yeah, I like that a lot. Westoff, give us a give us a little to ding for that one. That, that's spot on. Um, but look at clearly, you know, he's playing well, but not well enough to beat our boy FAA Felix Ojeda-Sim, who takes out Hercotch six and four, and you know, a, a great match. FAA is the real deal. I think he's the guy that we should be higher on than Hercotch, in my opinion. Oh, hundred percent. I can't believe so. I, I go around to all these events uh, with Tennis Channel, and I'm recording Instagram practice footage of these players really up close. And no one makes the ball sound like Felix Aliassime when he hits it. No one thumps the ball like that. He, the way he compresses the ball, it just sounds completely different when it leaves his strings than anyone else. I can't wait to see, you know, the racket head speed statistics when they publish them on Aliassime when they get that data in because God, I've got to think that on the forehand he's – Top, top ten in the world, maybe top five in terms of racket head speed and uh, RPMs generated on the ball. Yeah, I mean the dude rips the shit out of the ball, which is awesome. Um, and <laughs> no way to say it, the dude absolutely cranks yeah, it. It's it's awesome to watch, but I mean more impressive to me is, is his movement and his athleticism on court. I mean he plays the kind of defense too that I see out of Djokovic sometimes. The the ability to slide around the court on both ends. Uh, yeah, and, to, to stay balanced when he's you know sliding from the with the lateral movement, it's really impressive. Yeah, that lunge he does to get to his backhand when he's outstretched on the backhand side, he really pushes off and it, it is he covers so much ground. I watched him and Cam Nori practice at IMG, and Cam Nori was hitting um, slice T serves, and you know how far he gets that off the other side of the court. Mm-hmm. And so so every return he was he was working on that move on his return and it, Cam Norris is a perfect practice partner to do just exploding off of the right quad and, and cranking the backhand return. I mean he's 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 the real deal. He's as good as it gets. Uh, once Absolutely. once he figures it out on the mental side, um, he sort of choked. I mean he choked at Indian Wells. Let's call a spade a spade. The guy choked choked he his uh, choked his nuts off against <laughs> <laughs> against 
<laughs> um, Nishioka, but <laughs> Nishioka's good out there on those slow courts yeah. with the high heavy ball, so I can see how the matchup would be tough. Nishioka played great, don't get me wrong, but Felix should have won that. Yeah, 100%. I, I, I absolutely ripped on FA for losing that match because he shouldn't. But look, he's now about to break the top 50, and he's the first player from the 2000s crew to do so. He's also the first person from the 2000s to make the the round of 16 in the ATP 1000. So, I mean, this yeah. guy More importantly, is... he's also an incredibly nice person. He is yeah. a genuine, humble a kid has a lot of gratitude. He's thankful. He he recognizes gifts, and he's gonna use them to do good mm-hmm. for the sport. And for I'm sure he's gonna get into the, some other stuff once the money starts coming in. I'm sure he'll be involved with foundations and all that stuff. I mean, the guy, the guy is just genuine and nice, nice as can be. And he is literally 18 years old. So we've got potentially 18 more years with this guy Dude, let's hope we got canadian dominance for the next 15 years it's looking like oh get, get ready there canada's gonna be the new face of tennis would <laughs> do you think you would have said that five years ago you've been like huh, that's that's a good one absolutely not it's fantastic good for them tennis canada whatever they're doing uh you need to it's, model it's that working. like the spurs organization of basketball just it's a copycat league. Just copy whatever they're doing. <laughs> well, uh, the Americans could could learn a bit, a little bit from them. And speaking of a young American who had some success, Riley Opelka pulls out a win against Diego Schwartzman, six four three six six four, in a two hour and eighteen minute thriller. And there was actually, and maybe you have some insight on this. There was something weird going on midway. I think through the first set, there was like a window that had some yeah, glare on that, and, on that court. There's a glare um, because like the way the sun hits the glass and Opelka, I given his ridiculous height. Um, <laughs> you know, other players might not. It might not affect them but his line of sight is different than all the other players. And so Diego was like, I don't understand what he's talking about. He's stopping the match for no reason. But Riley's like, look, I can't see. And good on Riley for stopping the match. Because yeah. if you're a player, like that, would, that wouldn't be the easiest thing to do. You don't really know the rules on it. You think if there's a glare, like you're like, what the heck? But, but I guess the glare was so crazy enough. And you look at the video, it's like someone's shining a spotlight into his eyes. Right. So, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> but good, sure- good on him for stopping the match, though. But Schwartzman was pissed. He was like, why are we he stopping this like, match yeah, right now? Pissed because the guy's first serve bounces over his head every time. <laughs> His, his, his best he needs every advantage he can get. Yeah, he his needs best the glare. Attribute, his returning is just rendered useless against Opelka because the trajectory is just it's he, he's just a, it was just a pissed off short guy at the moment. Fuck <laughs> God. I mean he he was running around the court pretty angry, so it's, that's pretty accurate. But uh, you know, interesting in in this match, just looking at the statistics, Opelka only fired off eight aces, which is really abnormal for the guy he's usually in like the 20 range uh his first serve percentage was 55 percent yet you know granted he was winning 72 percent of them but i think that is the most impressive part of this match against schwartzman is he was able to take him out really without his serve being the, the main weapon in this match yeah i mean yeah you see the numbers but you also don't see how many short forehands he gets from his second serve bounce and his first serve bounce so uh, whatever Look, the guy's getting short forehands every time. And if you're, I don't care who you are, if you're hitting your second serve and then getting a short forehand almost every time, like, like you're going to hold serve. 
But but even so, he was only winning 41% of his second serve points. I mean, he he clearly, I, I didn't get to watch enough of this match, but he clearly was doing enough from the ground to hang with Schwartzman, whose you know, baseline game is one of the strongest on the tour. I, I, th- I just think it's a great sign for Opelka to be able to hang with a guy like that huge, without the serve. It's a huge win. I was running Tennis Channel's Twitter, and that's all I said. I was just like, huge win. Because, I mean, beating Diego Schwartzman in Miami with the crowd support there, that takes some guts. It really, it really does. Uh, well, look, there there are a couple other matches. We're not going to break these ones down, but I felt like I had to bring them up uh, because there there were just some awesome tennis. Borna Chorich takes down Jeremy Shardy, 6'7", 6'2", 6'3". Yeah, you know, great win for Chorich. This is a fun one to watch if you have time to go back and watch this one. I hate watching other- Jeremy Shardy. I hate watching Jeremy Shardy. It's he just it's, it's he's a, a walking serve and forehand, but like the shot selection is ridiculous. Yeah, he'll hit some good it shots. Is. His backhand's gross. It's not that good, but he's like so talented that he's you know hovers around the top fifty just based on pure firepower and talent. Um, but it's yeah, I, I do not enjoy watching Jeremy Shardy's matches. I don't know <laughs> if, if you agree or what do you think about that, but just in terms of watching, he's one of my least favorite watches. That and yeah. his day he dated Elise Lim, so I'm just jealous and <laughs> You you wish. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, he, there there are times actually where I do enjoy watching him play, but yeah, I don't know. I I more just said that because it was a good match. You know, three setter with Chorich is always uh, going to be relatively fun. But I think overall, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I might, I might have to even retract my statement. You know, Westoff might have to hit us with a, a little rewind there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's let's move on to two of the other matches uh, that were super interesting. Vavrinka loses to Krajinovich, you know, five seven six two seven six. This was a match that Vavrinka really should have taken. Uh, I mean, kudos to Krajinovich who was down five two in the third set breaker and come back to come back and win this match. Uh, and Krajinovich is you know been playing some unbelievable tennis. Yeah, this recently. is really cool. This is this is a cool little exercise in sort of how some of these players' minds work. So I don't know if you know, but um, Thomas Johansson was coaching Krajinovich, and he and he told Krajinovich that you're not good enough. And he left him and went to coach David Goffin. And, um, you know, maybe that was like the only thing that would have lighted a fire under Krajinovich. Because I remember seeing Krajinovich play when he was 12 at IMG Academy. And he was the best 12 year old I've ever seen in my life. He, he, was, he was a professional tennis player at age 12. Like, he could have entered a futures tournament and competed with these people at age 12. He was that, that good. And I was at IMG talking to the coaches. And they were just like, man, finally about time he figured it out, huh? Like, because he's been there his IMG since he was 12. And he's been, the co- yeah. I mean, the coaches were just like, look, like this guy is the most talented player in the world. But he just doesn't, you know, for one reason or another, can't figure it out. But I think you have a guy with that talent level and you give him a motivation of someone saying, you're not good enough. I don't want to be your coach. I think it's really cool what that did to him. Seriously. I mean, it's clearly done something right you know he has had a pretty good 2019 so far you know makes the round of 32 at the australian open he just made the round of 16 at indian wells and played some great tennis i mean he beat medvedev he beat gofen speaking of which you know his is you know he's unbelievable from the ground he's unbelievable from the ground he's so clean in his timing and his movement and 
it's just I remember my coach was watching him and he called us all over when he was 12 and he goes hey you guys you guys want you guys all want to be professional tennis players right <laughs> and we were like yeah and he was like well this is what a professional tennis player looks like and we watched him practice and I just thought holy shit I'm not going to be a professional tennis player <laughs> This guy just has the cleanest strokes, and he does. He does really. He really he has, has clean strokes. the ball six inches by six inches in between the lines every time. Short angle winners, drop shots, like the whole package. I mean, that's what I love. He he's got variety. He good at the net too. Look, the guy's twenty seven, and he's figuring it out. One of the most talented players in the world. Period. And full stop. And he has been his whole life. So it's just a, it's just whether he can keep it together in the head. Um, for for longer because he's a top twenty talent and I think he'll get there um, pretty soon. If he not well, he was top twenty already. He's a top twenty talent. So if he figures it out, he'll stay there for a while, make a lot of money. I mean, yeah, he he his career high was you know twenty sixth, okay. and, and that was last year uh, in after April. Paris, so yeah, yep. So he he clearly has what it takes considering his results at Indian Wells and here now beating Vavrinka. It, it's all looking positive. Uh, but the last match that I want to bring up is just the the Radu Albot versus Federer match, and I'm only bringing this up because Albot has just been playing some fantastic tennis and really almost could have pulled out this match. Um, yeah, Albot's it's, good. It's, it's cool to see. He's isn't he top? He's like fifty something in the world right now. He's he's up there. He really climbed up. Um, so he's, he's at forty six right now. Unbe- That's his yeah, unbelievable high. top fifty in the world. Talk about making the most. Of your, you know, ability level. He's one of the hardest working players on tour. Um, I was Indian Wells was with some of the players, and we were talking about Albot because I just I saw him on the practice courts like twice a day for like multiple hours a day. The guy was practicing for like three, four hours a day, like right just before grinding. the tournament. The guy can just go for it. This guy's just an energizer bunny. And they thought it was the players thought it was funny that they that I recognized it. Yeah, this guy plays more than everyone. He plays so much tennis. And look, it's paid off for him. And classic Federer garbage match. Classic Federer yeah. Shankopotamus Shank, match. <laughs> but dude, he still pulls them out every he single time. It's, out, ri- yeah, it's ridiculous. He pulls them out, but it's just—it's a classic, classic Fed match that that happens sometimes, inexplicably, inexplicably can't make the can't make the ball on the court. But with his serve and his um, shot making ability, he ends up pulling it out. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, and we're gonna get to see some more of it, or hopefully not the the shanking part, but tomorrow uh, against Krajinovic, that should be a really fun matchup. But before we move on to the matches that we're looking forward to uh, for tomorrow, let's uh, let's get a little bit of Max's trivia in here. Westoff, cue the Max's trivia sound effect. So. Some of these are, are fun facts, but I do want to bring them in uh, as some somewhat of a, of a trivia game here. So these are brought to you by Luca Branche, and, and thank you for all of the stats you put on Twitter. It's awesome. We love to see it. Uh, so the first one I've got for you, Kale, uh, this is the most number of ATP Masters 1000 matches that have been played in the main draw of the players that are currently in the main draw, who has the most number of ATP 1000 matches played? Main draw for the men, most. So pretty much you're, you're talking about all the top guys except Nadal because he's not in the main draw. Who has the most Masters 1000 matches? Oof. Kidding me with some... 
Some... So one of them's obvious, Oof. and oh, one of them is... I'm, how many players are we going? Multiple? All right, so Federer. So Federer is number one. Djokovic. So Djokovic is number four. Okay. Um, Ferrer. Ferrer's number two at 122. Okay. And so Djokovic had 108, and Fed has 134. Okay. And then one other guy. So, what about, oh, he, players that are still in the draw. Is Karlovic still in the draw? They don't have to still be in the draw. Just players that were in the main draw of the tournament. How about Ivo Karlovic? He's been, he's 40 years old. Karlovic is not in the top five. Son of a biscuit. All right. <laughs> who, who, who else do we got? In the draw. Nadal's out. Ferrer. Federer, These are older guys. Older guys that have done well and made, 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 um. Mm. So I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with one of them and he ties Federer for first Feliciano Lopez, oh, 134 yeah. matches. Okay. okay. Unbelievable. You yeah. never would have thought that guy. I mean, obviously he's been around forever, uh, but he's been th- that's... I remember going to the U.S. Open my first time when I was 11, and he was there, just with yeah. a flock of girls trying to get his autograph. <laughs> I mean, he's good-looking dude. N- nice locks. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and then the other guy is Burdich. Burdich is comes okay, in at number three sense. with 120 matches. He's just matches. been so absent the last couple of years. So I, you it's know, true. He's we not, for, he's we not, forget about we him. Forget about him. Yeah. Totally. Um, all right, one other trivia question for you. Which country has the most Masters titles? Which country has the most Masters titles? Oh, uh, Spain. Yep, so Spain is number one at 52. Nadal has 33 of those 52, yeah, which is... Exactly, yeah, that's a, And Nadal has the most of any player yeah, active. Call an indicator. You think, oh, Nadal has 30, 30, 33. I'll just go with Spain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do, can you guess who was two and three? Who's two and three? Well, let's think about. Um, gotta go. Gotta go. Switzerland, right? Stands one some. Feds one some. So Switzerland's actually fourth. Fourth. Fed is twenty seven, and Switzerland only has twenty eight. Which you know, I okay. think. Okay. How, how about how about the United States with Pete Sampras? So USA has. Yep, USA has forty eight, just behind Spain with fifty two. And then third, we've got Serbia, all because of Mr. Djokovic, who has 32. Uh, And just a a fun one, fifth is actually Great Britain uh, with 14 of those, 14 of their 16 because of Murray. Oh, wow, that drops Uh, off after the top three, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Pretty ridiculous. Uh, But cool, two little, you know, trivias there. And, And one just other interesting fun fact that I saw on tennis Twitter this weekend Federer has now spent 960 weeks in the top 30. That is that is 18 and a half years for those yeah, of that's you a, who that's didn't want to like do the a, That's a lifetime. I mean, that's longer than FAA has been alive. He, he literally has more weeks in the top 30 than FAA has been alive. That and is kudos absurd. Kudos to Federer for playing for himself, but also playing for the fans. He knows, he knows how much people like to watch him. And I think that's a big reason why he's still playing. Absolutely. He's and still, look, I, he's still get filling up the practice courts, you know, the practice courts, standing, room, standing room only. The guy, the guy is, I mean, he's the Swiss and master. He's got to win another Grand Slam so Djokovic doesn't catch him. He, he does. I, I would hate to see that happen. I really would. Uh, well, look, the, we, we've got some great matches coming to you tomorrow. 
uh, for the women's side, you know, all of the round of 16 highlighted by Venus playing Simona Halep. Uh, and on the men's side, we've got, you know, some great next-gen matchups. We, you know, we've got Shapo versus Rublev. Uh, we've got, you know, Tiafo. and this isn't a next-gen matchup, but Tiafo playing it for Does Shapovalov get the easiest draws at all these tournaments? 100%. I mean, look, uh, we, this is a match we didn't even he talk about. Chilich Rublev beating Chilich. Chilich got beat by, if you beat, get beat by Shapo in straights and Rublev in straights, you know, something's not quite right. Something's definitely off with him, yeah. but this this is gonna be a fun match. It, look, Rublev Shapo. This is a little rematch from the uh, the next gen finals in matches 2017. Yeah, Better's nightmare. Both players. You, never know. <laughs> yes. you just don't know what the hell's gonna happen. Uh, and then the other the other matchup that is gonna be sweet is Daniil Medvedev versus Riley Opelka. I mean, this this is probably up there for uh, the the most combined height of you know of a match out there. Uh, with Opelka and Medvedev, so some big serves, you know, big forehands. Yeah, uh, this one Med- be Medvedev's a beast. Um, I, f- I just worry if if they if they do get in a rally, Medvedev has such a clear advantage on the ground strokes of course. that that all those points are probably going to go his way. We'll see if Riley can take the racket out of his hand and get a couple tie breaks, and that would be but look. That that's be a, that would be a huge win because UTR Medvedev is, ranks as one of like the top top seven or eight players in the world. I mean, he's great, but we also just saw. A great performance from Opelka against Schwartzman, who we probably yeah, said the same a thing. Foot and a half taller. <laughs> You're right, uh, but I'm saying just from the ground, from the ground, being able to hang with Schwartzman, maybe he can be able to hang with Medvedev. You just, you, uh, the trajectory on the serve is just something that is just like I mean, going from <laughs> going from Schwartzman <laughs> to Medvedev. He's gonna be like, where the hell is the ball even it's bouncing? It's gonna be tough for Riley in this one, I think. But who knows? I mean, that would be that would be great. Riley's such a nice kid. Absolutely. Well, the last thing we want to do, and we do this for every Monday, is our winners and losers from the weekend. Uh, let's start with our winners. Kale, who are your winners from the weekend? Winners from the weekend, just one, Bianca Andreescu. I said it on the pod. First of all, just toot my own horn. I called her winning Indian Wells um, during week one. You, I texted you about it. You can uh, pull up the screenshot. Yeah, I yeah. tweeted it. I thought Felix had a chance to win too. Felix choked. He didn't. But Andreescu, future number one player in the world, um, and she beat Angelique Kerber twice. The mental fortitude that it has to take to – she was injured getting medical treatment the whole time, and she still fought through and wanted to beat Kerber. She wasn't complacent just beating Angie Kerber and winning Indian Wells, winning millions of dollars and changing her family's life. She's still going. You know, when it rains, it pours, and she's just she's my winner because her mental strength, I haven't seen anything like that in quite some time. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, one of my winners were just the Canadians in general. You know, the the Canadians uh, between Indian Wells and Miami, or, or excuse me, from, from Indian Wells to Miami, uh, are now 12 and 0 excluding Ranich who uh, did just lose to Edmund today so uh, good for them they're they're clearly like we said tennis canada man they're they're doing something tennis right tennis canada is on fire and then uh, my loser is Angie Kerber because <laughs> that was a classless move i mean uh, it just it just makes me sad bianca was disappointed that she did that like there's no reason to do that she fought her heart out and she beat her fair and square and then to just b- bring a petty comment like that you know, I'm sure Kerber regrets it, and you know we all make mistakes. And she could have just been had a bad day, you know. But um, yeah, you're a loser if you do that to my girl Bianca. 
<laughs> yeah, the, she's now, you know, uh, the girl of the mini break podcast. We are your biggest fans, Bianca. So we got your back. Don't worry. We'll, we'll take out uh, Kerber if we, if we need to. Uh, she's also a, a loser in my book, but uh, I've got a winner slash loser with ESPN plus, you know, first of all, winner because they've been, they've got all the matches for you. Uh, if you don't subscribe to ESPN plus, you should. It's five bucks a month, and I get all my tennis coverage that I need. Uh, but no commentators on any of the courts besides Stadium Court. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Throw throw me in there, man. I'll, I, I'll hop in there with Coach. you. Grus, Gruskin will take Court Coach. 2. I'll... <laughs> Put me in. Put me in, Coach. Give me the ball. <laughs> Give me the mic. <laughs> Seriously, I, I, it's ridiculous. Like I'm sitting there, like commentating to myself what's happening. So yeah, if um, if, 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 the, if someone's gonna watch match on court eight, they're gonna watch it with or without commentary. Um, so that's, that's true. You know, good luck. It's, it'd be fun for sure, but don't expect to make a lot of money commentating <laughs> on court eight. This this was just my desperate plea to get ESPN Plus to to bring us on to to, to commentate these matches. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think you guys might be a little too controversial for. Uh, ESPN, who knows? That uh, that that's our forte. So if that's the case, so be it. So be it. Uh, well, look, that great time catching up with you and, and discussing all things Miami Open. Uh, it's been a hell of a tournament so far, and it was a crazy weekend. I'm sure this week is going to be nuts. Uh, so, I'm ready you know. for a break, my friend. I'm ready for this to be <laughs> over. Look, the sunshine double is coming to a close. We've got seven more days of tennis, and then we've got a little bit of a break before the clay. But it's been fun. Kale, anything else to say before we sign off? Nope, I've got I've got nothing else. I'm all tennised out, my friend. All right, well, we'll wrap it up here. As always, special thank you and shout out to our super producers, Max Fliebner and Daniel Westoff. As always, you've got a fuck of a job to do. And thank you to everyone who has listened to the Mini Break podcast so far. You know, if you haven't, make sure to, to rate, subscribe, like, do everything, comment, all the, all the social media stuff. Uh, but one last time from the Cracked Rackets team, from myself, your host, Max Rothman. Kale, what do we say? I forgot what we say. That's a break! <laughs> and we'll see you all tomorrow.